0: Hey everyone, welcome to Huron Chapel. We're so glad you could join us for today's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged with our church, check us out online at huronchapel.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's podcast. A number of years ago, Glenn and I were shopping in a very high-end, posh store called Zeller's. Remember Zellers, and we're looking at some framed pictures in a big cardboard bin because that's bin because that's what you know high end stores keep their art, and, and we're looking through them and you know we're just looking we weren't planning on really buying anything, um, you know some of them we'd like yeah the color is nice in that or I love this artist's style or look at that cute little innocent child this make you smile and as i was flipping through the bin I came across this particular picture and I knew as soon as I saw it I was gonna have to buy it and take it home. And sometimes you see a work of art and you find something in it which connects with you. And that's what happened in this picture. Uh, I, I came across this particular picture and, and it wasn't that the style I really liked. I'm not really a fan of the, the artist or whoever that was. I don't like, this. it's nothing about the color, but it's what this picture portrayed that really grabbed, grabbed hold of me. Uh, and, and, and just, I knew that I needed to bring this home and hang it up. So this morning I want to share with you, or perhaps I should say I want to paint a picture for you uh, in your mind's eye. And I want to tell you what's in this picture. It appeals, I think, to me and will to you as well, based on uh, God's Word. So the setting, I think I shared one picture once before, but I just want to talk about it again. The setting in this picture is a small rural village. And in the background you can see a road winding between a couple of uh, a couple of quaint country homes. But the first thing in your notes is in my picture there's a church. That's the focal point. That's where your eyes are drawn to in this picture. And the church is one of those old traditional white churches with steeple, a high steeple you would find, uh, typically in New England somewhere. And when I look at a church, uh, like this, I realized how sometime in the past, cause it was an older church, sometime in the past, people in that community said, we want a church here. We want to build a church here because we're a people of faith. And, and the fact that there's a church among these homes tells me they loved God, they believed in God, they wanted to follow God, and, and, they, and they, want, they believed in his work. So at some point they said, guys, community, let's build us a church where we can come together and worship and praise the Lord as a community. The painting, uh, really it's a print. It's a print, I guess, uh, portrays a scene where, you know, years after this, this church, you know, it would have been built years before, uh, and now it's probably, you know, some time after. The charter members would have died and gone on to a greater place of worship. But the church they built in the community still stands as a symbol of faith of these pioneers. People who built this church expected great things from God and attempted great things for God. And every time I see a church, it's a witness to me. It brings testimony to the people's faith. We're going to build this place and we're going to meet here and worship and fellowship God. Because the church to me represents faith. My prayer is that years from now, people will look back here and, and look at here in chapel and, and see us that way. They, maybe they're driving along, where's my directions. Baseline, am I right? That way? And they'll look to see the church up on the hill and go, wow, there's uh, that church. I've heard people say that even this past week. I saw the church on the hill and I went and checked it out. And when you look in the cornerstone of my office, you are going to see three words. Built by faith. This church was built by faith. They may talk about the handful of Christian men, you know, men uh, who, the Christian Men's Association, who way back got together $500 and, and bought the Presbyterian Church over in the next block. And they will recall how many years they had Sunday night services in that building and to the point when needed a pastor to lead them. And they'll tell the story how in 2001 that congregation grew and how they got this property, began work on this property here with about 20,000 volunteer hours being put in so we can have a building without a mortgage. And again, in the cornerstone of the building just out here says build by, built by faith. Faith built this church. And the Bible says this, faith shows the reality of what we hoped for is the evidence of things we cannot see so perhaps the men bought their old Presbyterian church over on the next road saw the reality of what could be here in this place called Auburn. Maybe not everyone saw it. But they had faith and they saw it. And I'm sure it would have been easy to point to various obstacles or circumstances to say why this could never happen. But they had faith, they could see the reality what they hoped for. I like what F. B. Meyer says, unbelief puts our circumstances between us and God. Faith puts God between us and our circumstances. Think about that next time you're facing an obstacle. Unbelief puts circumstances between us and God. But faith puts God between us, whatever those circumstances might be that you're facing. And perhaps we don't see today how, you know, our faith will impact others or our community or the world for that matter tomorrow. But we have faith. And so we follow God, pressing forward. Faith in God is where he, and where he's at work today matters, and it will impact the community tomorrow. Um, years ago, a small town in Maine was a proposed site for a great electro, hydroelectric plant. And since the dam would be built across the river, the town would be submerged underwater. And so when the project was announced, the residents of that town was given a few months to, well, many months to arrange their fares and relocate before they built the dam and their water would come and, and cover their town. And during the time before the dam was built, interesting thing happened. Um, all the improvements ceased in that town. No one, no painting was done. Why bother? No repairs are made on buildings and roads and sidewalks. No matter Why why bother? There's no future. Day by day, the whole town got shabbier and shabbier. And a long time before that dam was built and the waters came, the town looked uncared for and unabandoned, even though the people had not yet moved away. And one citizen explained this, I love this, where there is no faith in the future, there's no power in the present. That's great. And so we must be a people of faith. Because it makes a difference. But more than that, where you place your faith matters the most, right? Faith in God, faith in His message, is what changes lives. I listened to to the Christian radio station in my car and heard the radio announcer say this week, we don't change the message, the message changes us. The church, in my painting, to me represents faith. Because some time ago, people said, we want A place to worship, to hear from God, to come together as His people. And just as Jesus said, faith can move mountains. I can hear these people who built this church saying, mountains are moved here where we live. We are people of faith. In this frame picture I bought, there's a church building in the community, but there's more going on the picture I want to tell you about. In my picture, the church lights are on. That's big. Because not only is a church building in the village as a result of people's faith years ago, there are lights on today which tells me there are people of faith still there. There's still hope in this place, still hope in this community. The church is open for business. There's a reason to hope in this place. People are still seeking God, and God is at work in their lives. The church and her message represents hope. We have a church today because God knows we are not made to live the life of a Christian alone. We're not meant to follow God by ourselves. When we read about the early church in the Bible, we discover a people who nearly did everything in community. We read this in Acts 20. You know this verse. All the believers, this is the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. Isn't that great? And the apostles performed many miracles, miraculous signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Church wasn't just something they did once a week. They shared life together. They taught one another. They encouraged one another. They they met each other's needs. Last Sunday... Uh, it was a good Sunday for the people called here in chapel. We we got to witness how God is at work and giving hope to those among us as they are baptized. So if you weren't able to get down to the um, uh, river, I just have a minute and 32-second video just showing you those who are baptized, just celebrating what God has done in their life. So just watch this and celebrate and enjoy what God's doing. You Father, Son, so, Christy, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Chrissy, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I trust those faithful who built this church who look to us today and say there's still hope. There are people still receiving and being baptized, young and old. And we're so thrilled about that. The church is a place where you and I can grow in our faith. And growing in our faith sometimes will mean, yeah, we're challenged and we'll and face struggle. We'll maybe we'll experience failure, but we don't have to do it alone. We have our church family to walk through the storms and to celebrate the mountaintops like this together. Because we're family. And this hope is not just for you and I, because we have a lost world that matters and weighs in our heart very much. Some of you have lost family or lost neighbors, and you pray for them, and you so desperately want them to know what you've already found, that there is forgiveness, there is grace, there's a purpose, and there's hope and eternity for their lives. So we preach and we share and we teach this life of hope that others may know when we're filled when we're filled with this real hope of Jesus when it's real in our life, it's sincere in our life as we prayed last Sunday, it fills us it makes us attractive to those who have little or no hope it's not because they see us, but they see Jesus in us and pride may keep from those loved ones those loved ones from telling you this but honestly they would tell you that, that, that they don't feel like they have a lot of purpose they wonder what's the purpose of life Um, for their existence, they're searching for hope, they're wanting hope and they're not finding it in the stuff they're trying and the people they're investing in because all those things will fail I love the story about Charles Young it's told by a a young student who um, took a photography class in, in the University of Cincinnati and he became acquainted with Charles Young, a lost man who was also a student. And Charles was training for the 1968 Olympics as a high diver. And this young Christian man says, Charles was very patient with me so that I'd speak to him for hours about Jesus Christ and how he saved me. And Charles was not raised in a Christian home or attended any kind of church. So all he said, all I told him was fascinating to him. He even began to ask questions about forgiveness of sins. He felt he knew he needed forgiveness. And finally the day came, this this fellow says, I put the question to him. I asked Charles, did did he realize his need now of a redeemer? Was he ready to trust Christ as his own savior? And he said, I saw the countenance of Charles fall, and and there's so much guilt in his face for what he'd done, and he said, no, not yet. The days that followed, he was quiet. He said, often I tell Charles was avoiding me, and I got a phone call from Charles one day. He wanted to know where in the New Testament he could find some of the scriptures I talked about forgiveness of sin. And so I gave them to him. But I didn't know where he was or didn't know how to help him. I asked if I could talk to him. He said, no, that's okay. And so he hung up. But he said I could tell he was greatly troubled. Because he was training for the Olympics, Charles had special privileges in the university pool facilities. And sometime that night, between 10.30 and 11, he decided to go practice a few dives. And it was a clear night in October. The moon was big and bright. The university pool was housed under these glass panes, these ceiling glass panes. And the moon shone so bright across the top of the wall in the pool area. Charles climbed to the highest platform to take his first dive. And at that moment, standing on the highest platform, ready to take this dive, God just met him, the Spirit of God, the victim of his sin. And all the scripture he had read and all the occasions that I'd witnessed to him about suddenly came to him on that high dive platform and it flooded his mind. And he said he stood backwards to make his dive and he spread his arms out to gather his balance. And he looked up to the wall and you see that his own shadow had caused a cross to form in the moonlight. And it was that moment he could not bear the burden any longer. His heart broke. He sat down on the platform and asked God to forgive him and save him. He trusted Jesus Christ, 20-some feet up on a diving platform. Suddenly, the lights in the pool came on. The attendant was coming in to check the pool. And as Charles looked down from his platform, he saw an empty pool that had been drained for repairs. He almost plummeted to his death, but the cross had stopped him from disaster And there's a church in my painting, but more than that, the lights are on. It is operating. It is active. It's preaching the cross. It's open for all who need the real hope of Jesus Christ in their lives. People like Charles Young, people like the ones who you pray for, they're lost. Let's never give up that hope that we have, uh, Ernest read for us, Pastor Ernest read for us in Psalm 33 today. No king is saved by the size of his army. You feel pretty confident he had an army, big army. But no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse, you can fill a horse with any other substitute. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear or revere him. On those whose hope is in his unfailing love. To deliver them from death and keep them alive in phantom, phantom, dry times. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name. Can you cry that psalm out as if you had wrote that today? So there's a church and the lights are on, but finally there's one more thing I want to talk to you about this picture. And it's a thing that probably encourages me... Uh, Probably the most, it's the reason why I bought the picture. The picture shows a church and the lights are on. But finally in my picture, there are people going to the church. So perhaps this is a good time to show you the actual picture. It won't wow you. It's not like saying, wow, that's just a great art piece. But I hope you see within the picture what, that, what why I have this warm feeling. So I'm going to show you the picture. Here it is. They hung up in our house for many years. In the picture, you see a husband and wife walking towards the church with its light shining on a Sunday evening. You see a family with a dad, a mom, a young child heading towards the church to worship the Lord together. I want to tell you, I've heard this comment more recently than enough to I think I need to mention. I've heard a lot of people who've come to faith in their life later in, 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 later in life saying, I wish I had known this earlier so that my kids would have grown with this. In my picture, there would seem to be a grandfather, his grandson at the bottom of the stairs, the church stairs ready to go up and ascend through the open door. And the open door, and there's an, it's open, it's inviting. There, are I think would are a few children standing there, literally walking into the light, hopefully not just literally, but spiritually, ready to receive the word of God in their lives. To hear from God and to worship him with the people. And there are husbands and wives and children neighbors heading for the church in a village on a rainy night to encourage one another. Bible says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, and it is a habit. I'll tell you this, either you're in the habit of of being a part of a church, attending a church, so that doesn't save you, but you respond that way, or you're not. You're in the habit of doing this, this is a normal, common everything, or it's just once in a while, or I go many weeks and miss and suddenly show up. So it says, let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Because Jesus is coming back. And we want to be ready. The picture touches me because it shows the people who I believe want to go to their church. In my own faith, I've been greatly encouraged by people in this church and in every church who want to be set this time aside and who come and worship God. You being here today encourages me. I hope others being here encourage you. And the reason they want to get together with their church family is because of the very foundation of any true believer and follower of Jesus is love for God and love for others. So the church represents love. The greatest commandment, according to Jesus, is this. You know it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. You know this one too in First Corinthians 13. And now these three remain faith. We talked about that. Hope, we talked about that. But the greatest of these is love. I like what Stan Toler writes. He, uh, he said, Christianity is not a religion of beliefs. It's a lifestyle of love. That's what's going to attract people. That's what's going to tell them there's something that you have that I need in my life. Not a list I believe so. Those are important. We, we, we honor and want to be obedient. But there's this love shining in and through you that they need and want to have. And like me, you know people that, that they're just attractive because of the love that they have. It's selfless. It's self-denying. And they impact you most for the kingdom of God. Galatians says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So Conclusion. I found all of these things here at Huron Chapel, and for the past seven years, this month, seven years, this church has been a place of warm Christian love for me and my family. And we truly experience—we've found—we've experienced hope here among us. We have seen miracles here. We have seen marriages restored. We've seen children, adults come to the Lord and be baptized. And the royal family has seen faith and action in this place, and we have personally been impacted by the faith of her people. In fact, Glenda was just saying the other night, well, that, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we we're driving home uh, from visiting some of our dear church people, and she said, I feel like we've made the deepest friendships in this church more than any other church we've pastored. And I agreed. We've experienced more generosity, I can say that, from people in this church than any church we've experienced. And we love here in chapel. However, we know the time has come for our family to move on from our dear church Here and chapel. So after much prayer, much perseverance, this morning I gave the elders my resignation. And I'll be here for a couple more Sundays, and I'm going to take the remaining few weeks of my holidays just to prepare for the next chapter of my ministry. Um, My last official Sunday will be October 7th, though I'll be just ending holidays then. I'm not. I'm not prepared to share where I'm going today, but I just. I just want to focus on where we've been, and that this journey with you, and how grateful we are for the opportunity you've given us to be your pastor for such a time as this. I know Glenn and I will cover your prayers as we. We're going to face many changes in the coming days, and you already know me. I'll be praying for you as you have to make changes as well. But we love you. We hold you dear to our hearts. And we uh, just have just love, come to love the people here so much. We thank you. So worship team's going to come, and we're going to I'm going to pray as we close today. So Father, I thank you that you have churches like here in Chapel, where we can find encouragement and love, where we can be built up, where we can be part of uh, lives being changed, Lord. I just think last Sunday, God, the people praying to be filled, people coming to Christ, people being baptized, it just it fills our hearts, God. It encourages and I thank you for the work you're doing through people here. We cannot do this alone. We are a body, and each has a part, and I thank you for that. And I pray, God, you continue to build your kingdom here through faith, through hope, and certainly through love. Love not just for you, but love for one another. And we pray all of this today in Jesus' name. Amen. thanks for listening to today's podcast we make these messages available to give you a window into our church but also an open doorway for you to enter into our community our sunday services are at 9 a.m and 11 a.m and we look forward to seeing you soon please remember to visit huronchapel.com for more information about our church